This is my podcast where I usually interview friends or strangers who I hope become friends. But this week, neither of those things, really. I I gotta be honest with you, I had two interviews cancel, twist in my plan that I wasn't expecting, reschedule, and I'm very, very excited about both of them. I'll let you know who they are, and I, I can't wait for you to hear these interviews, but this week I pivoted and say what you will about me, but I I can be resourceful when I need to be, and I'm really excited about this week's episode. I listened back to it, and it's a conversation where I'm actually being interviewed, and this is something that in feedback about the podcast, I have gotten several times that people wanted to hear me on the other side of the interview, which is such an honor, and here you have it. So in this, I cover a lot of topics that have come up in the Let It Out letter, which is the newsletter I've been sending for 10 years alongside with this podcast. And I'm interviewed by Andy, who you'll meet in a moment. She has an incredible podcast and asked me to be a guest because she reads my newsletters. And we became friends live on the air, as you're about to hear. And and we cover a lot of the topics that I had written about. So we talk about friendship and she asks me about how I make friends. We talk about optimism and pessimism and protecting yourself from your own mind, which is something that I am constantly learning and relearning. Perception, why success teaches us nothing, procrastination, fear, overwhelm. And something that that I say in this, and if you're listening, you know, because I titled the episode, Swing at the Balls Coming at You. And that has been quite useful to me these last couple of months. So I hope there's some wisdom or something in here that is useful to you or it's entertaining or it keeps you company. So thank you so much for listening and being here. I will be back with new interviews really soon. And they're with people that I've been eager to talk to for a really long time. So have a great week. Here's my conversation that was recorded a couple months ago at the beginning of this year. I hope you like it. Is Michigan your hometown or your home state? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Michigan in a, a small college town. Yeah, in the in the middle. Everyone, in, if people are listening, I'm like holding my hand and doing the thing that everyone from Michigan does where you point to where you're from <laughs> in the mitten. But I'm from like the very center. Such a different place than here. How would people from your hometown describe what you do today? Those that <laughs> knew you then and that know you now. Oh my gosh. I think, you know, it's so, that's such a funny question. I mean, it's such a fun question. It's a, it's cool. It's a great question, but oh man, I don't know. I had, it's, it's a timely question. I'll say that. Cause I, I was saying I, I went back at, at the holiday and I, I, I haven't been back very often, you know, in, in recent years. And I, I go back about once a year and I don't really do anything or, or see anyone other than my family when I'm there. I, I have a, my mom is one of six, so I just am kind of like with my, and my parents are divorced, so I, you know, that's enough, like just to kind of do that for a couple of days. And I don't keep in touch with too many people. Unfortunately, I, I wish I did, but I, I follow them on Instagram. And, you know, I had a very confronting time going back this this time a little bit because I I turned 30 at the beginning of the pandemic and I had had this this breakup at the end of 2019 and I went on this basically trip that never ended. Like I I went to Europe for a summer and then I came back to New York for a couple months that fall and was really bummed my trip was over. And my best friend was like, well, you can put yourself in my place. And like, you know, you can do your job from anywhere. So like, why don't you just keep traveling? And I was like, oh, who knew? And so I was like, I'll miss a winter in New York. So I'll just come back in like May and find a, a new apartment in New York. And and so I left on January 1st of 2020 and I went to Bali for, for January and Australia for February and then landed here in LA at, you know, right before lockdown and then shipped my stuff and never went back. And so all of that to say, you know, it, 
it wasn't expected that I was going to be moving away from New York. And I had this, you know, different idea of what my life would be like at, at this age. And, and when I went back, you know, my mom's updating me on everybody I went to high school with. And it, it really did seem like most everyone I knew is just so much more settled, you know, like they have their either in yeah. a relationship or married or like have a kid or two or live in this house. And, and I was, you know, I was just sort of like, wow, the wildness of how I didn't, I didn't even, the furthest West I'd been was like Chicago. So I just couldn't even conceive of, and what I do now, like, it wasn't like we could study podcasting, you know, we obviously had like radio and, you know, but I, what I do now didn't even really exist. It's all sort of really wild that this even, I couldn't conceive of this, you know, and then on the plane, on the way to Michigan, I was, it's a pretty long flight. It's like nearly as long as New York. And, and I was sort of in my own world and I really had a lot of, I love working on planes and I was pretty behind like going into the holidays. So I was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to get so much work done. So I was really in my own world. Like, you know, I'd had a a decent amount of coffee. I'm like, got headphones in. I'm just like, you know, kind of in my, even though I'm in public, like in my own world, you know, and I, and I get up and I still have headphones and I go to the bathroom and someone's coming out of the bathroom and she's holding a, a baby and has a mask on. And, and she was like, are you Katie Delbao? And I was like, yeah, but I was, so, you know, when you're in your own world and you're not expecting to run into someone, you're like disoriented, especially because it was the, the a plane, like in the neighborhood here, it like happens all the time, but it's like, I'm aware yeah. that I'm going to be in public where I was like, for some reason, unaware that I was in public. And I was like, oh yeah, hi. And I, I was like, what? I, I had no like immediate recognition of this like mom holding a baby. And then she told me her name and she was like, you, I, and, she, and I was like, oh, yes. And it was this girl who was like two years older than me and in high school was like the coolest. Like, it, it took me a second because, you know, it's been 10 years or more than that, like 15 years or whatever. Yeah. And she's holding a baby and a mask and a plane. And, and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, do you live in LA now? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, we do too. And I was, I was like, oh my God, you have a baby. Like, it's so good to see you. And then like, she kind of had to go, whatever. And then a second later, um, somebody else comes out of the the bathroom or comes up to me or what, whatever. This is all on the plane. And he was like, hey, I, I'm – and he said his name. And, and I was like, oh, my God, hi. Like, and it was somebody else from high school. And I didn't – like, didn't – I definitely knew him. Like, he was very cool and, like, the yearbook photographer and just, like, so cool. And they got married and they have kids and they live in L.A. And then we were just, like, chatting about it. And I – then the, the flight attendant was like, excuse me, you cannot uh, be lingering back here. And we like got in trouble and I go back to my seat and I was like, <laughs> God, life is so wild. Like here are these people who I, you know, I thought were the coolest and they like knew who I was. I don't think we ever even spoke in high school. Like I'm not sure that yeah. we did, but, but one of them, the, the, the dad was like, oh, you know, I remember like seeing you had a book a couple of years ago, like you do something in wellness and. And so I was like, wow, what a weird world that we, that he likes, because of social media, like he sort of had a conceptual idea of what I do. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, what do you do? Like, and he was going back to law school, whatever. So it just, it, I, when I sat back down, I was like, wow, it, this is so interesting. Like, here we are. If I could have told my, you know, 15 year old self, like, listen, you're going to move to LA. You're going to be on a plane with that guy and that person and their children, you know? So it's just like, it's a trip. <laughs> yeah. I feel that. I feel that so through and through most of the, most of the women that I went, no, I think maybe all of them, maybe all but one that I went to high school with that are, that would have been, you know, my very best friends in high school all still live where I grew up. And I had this experience in 2020 where they were they they were all on a on a group chat and I for the first time since high school was added to their group chat because they were doing these like these like weekly Zoom sessions because they were all home 
doing homeschooling with their kids, they were like, I just need, I need connection. And they were like, yeah. wouldn't it be fun to add Andy to our group chat? They were my best friends in high school. So it was the first time I'd really connected with most of them since, a, since about high school. And it's been this really wild experience. Now I'm still on the group chat two years later. And it's been this wild experience of like re-getting to know them and their lives and also getting the perspective of what they think I actually do and what they think yeah. that my life is actually about from that time to now. So yeah. I love that kind of, I'm like you, I go home like maybe once a year, but I love that like going home and having a moment of like, oh, here's one direction my life could have gone. And with the little decisions that inevitably become big decisions over time, you were in Bali, Australia, living in New York, now living in LA. And it's like, yeah, this is just my life. This is just how it's gone. And you have that moment in the plane where you're like, and the coolest kids in high school know who I am. And this really bizarre, well, like, <laughs> twist of events. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's it's wild. I mean, yeah. And, and I, I also think that, and that's so cool that that you got to reconnect with them and 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 I was so happy that I got to run into those people on the plane. You know, it's all so, so wild. And yeah. it's not, I don't, like, one way of it being is not better than the other. Like, I know that they probably look at me and they're like, totally. not for me. Sounds stressful. Or actually, they, may, they might look like it, look at it and be like, wow, that's really cool. But really, it's like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to make this work long term. I hope it pans out okay. Like, you know, and, and even, and there are good days and there are hard days yeah. in, in their situation and my situation. And I think it's just different. And even what you said with like how the the little decisions we make, I was just talking to a friend about this last night at dinner and I had had this conversation with someone also during the pandemic, I think there, it's funny how that time brought up a lot of these like existential sort of conversations about where we are and what we're doing. And we had that, that space, but he, we were talking about our work in some way and we had like gone to, we had driven to see this comet. And I remember he asked me like some sort of question about like how I ended up doing what I was doing and what I want, what I wanted even in the, the future with it or something like that. And I kind of gave the answer that you give like on an airplane to a stranger, you know, or, you know, in the back of the cab when you're, when you have like a, your elevator yeah. pitch or just like, not even an elevator, but just like the thing you always say that's like sort of seems scripted. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm really grateful for the podcast and like that I get to do this and all the people I've met. And I had like my little like thing I say, say. And he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And he asked me some sort of like deeper question. And I was just like, and it was really late at night and we had like gone to see this comment and we're driving back. And and I was like, honestly, I don't know. Like, I don't even know if anything of what I just said is is true. Like I, every single choice hmm. I've made has been more, almost more dire than that. Like it, it it hasn't really felt like it's been in my control. And I don't even mean in like a, a woo-woo, you know, way, but but I, I do also, you know, of it's sort of both of like we – I just think that so many things aren't in our control. And when I – I couldn't have ever conceived of the life that I have. And Eckhart Tolle says this thing like when he – was asked about yeah. manifestation where he's like, who are you to think that you know what you want, you know? And and I think that the choices I made have just been like, honestly, like following the thing that's in front of me. Like, all right, I think I want to move to a different place than where I grew up. How can I do that? All right, I guess, you know, I was, I was teaching yoga and blogging at the time. So I was like, I guess I need a job. And so I like got a job and then I like figured out how to move to New York. And then it was like, you meet this person, you do this thing. It's like, just like following the next right action of what's in front of me and like ending up here. It's, it's all, it's all so wild and un, unpredictable. And I'm, I've just been swinging at balls coming at me, but it was an interesting moment when he asked me that. Cause I, I dropped all the like ego of like, this is a thing that I say. And I was like, went into my actual 
self and was like, this is actually the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it is it is sometimes really overwhelming when we think about the process of manifestation to think about, okay, I've got to think about these like really big dreams and I got to think about like where I want to be and I got to think about my future. But the reality is all we truly have have in the moment is the moment and the ability to take one step forward into the very next moment. And when we can sit with that and recognize that that is ultimately actually how we begin to cultivate a life that we get really excited about, it feels significantly less overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, it does. (laughs) What's your process for cultivating friendships as as a grown-ass woman, one of the things I've noticed about the conversations I was having with that group of girlfriends from high school is they've always had each other. Since high school, they've been each other's best friends. And I kind of got this opportunity to drop back in and see how powerful they had been in, in relation to one another, their friendships. And I thought, you know, one of the things I've had to do with moving as many times as I have and with the work that I've chosen to do is I have to have to make new friends as Mm. a, as an adult woman. And that is not always the easiest thing to do. And then also decide who my inner circle is going to be. What's, what's your process around, around all of that? Gosh, I don't know if I, if I have a a process, but what I've done, I guess I can, you know, connect the dots looking back as they say, but it's it's been the easiest thing in the world for me making friends and i have to i think it's just because it's a muscle that's really developed because i've moved so much because i i think when you're not in a long-term romantic relationship and you my work is very social like my i work alone and i live alone so friendship is really important to me and it comes naturally to me as well. You know, I think it's it's a muscle that I built, but I also am pretty extroverted. And like, I, I come from Midwestern people who are, you know, my mom works in HR, my dad was a salesman, you know, so I come from like talky people. So that sort of is very easy for me to do, but that doesn't necessarily mean you'll necessarily make friends. And I have learned, it's funny, my my friend Michelle had me on her podcast a couple months ago and sort of like framed the conversation around friendship. And since then, I feel like people have asked me about it a lot as like this sort of thing that I talk about a lot on the podcast and I, and I prioritize. And it's just that it's my primary relationships in my life are are my friends, the people I see on a daily basis, the people I connect with. And I'm very, I've integrated myself very much in my community, even in the last three years in this neighborhood. And I don't take that for granted. And that's a a deliberate choice that I've, I've made. And so I think that the if there's any sort of process around friendship, I, to answer your question, I guess I would just say it's practice, like anything, you know, it's like the more you do it, the, the easier it will be. So at first yeah. it is really challenging and you do have to sort of push yourself to have a conversation with someone and go to things, like say yes to things when people invite. It's just like with dating, you know, it's like go go to the coffee shop and bring a book and be out in the world and you're not going to make any friends in your apartment by yourself. And and then when you are out, like have an air about you that's like I'm open for a conversation or say hi to people and be, being friendly. And then after that, though, it, it really comes down to – reading the room, you know, and, and, and patience because friendship is a pretty complex relationship because it's, it's undefined by nature, right? So a business partnership is like very clearly defined when you get to that point, it's undefined until you like define it. And same with romantic relationships where it's like, until that's why that period for people can be so sort of like, what are we, are we like, until you have that conversation and then, or time passes, but with friendship, it's, entirely undefined. Like there's never a moment where someone is like, we are friends. You have to define it for yourself where it's, you know, maybe it's someone calling you their friend when they introduce you to someone, or maybe it's having their number in your phone, or maybe it's when they press follow on Instagram and you do too, because that's kind of a big one because then it's like, wow, we are going to be in each other's like 
digital sphere forever or until one of us decides like to press a button and be like, no, thanks. I'm, I'm all set on under seeing your life anymore, you know, which is like, sounds sort of intense, but it's true. Like I had a experience the other day where I saw some guy that I didn't recognize and I was like, who's this? And then I clicked on him and I was like, oh, I worked with him like 10 years ago. And like, I, I didn't, I maybe wouldn't have remembered him, but I'm glad I like, good, good for him. It's cool to see him. Like, but that's what social media sort of can do to friendship. And so it, it's all very complex. But I think, again, with reading the room, yeah. then it becomes defining it for yourself and then understanding that friendship takes time. It can't be forced. And I have tried to do that before, I think, too, when I felt really untethered. And When I moved here, I didn't really know anybody. I had one friend here. And I had a couple people that I met that I was just so hoping to be in the group with and I was so hoping to be chosen and I tried really hard and that can be really off-putting to people. And so, you know, I've just had to learn like you have to let it build and grow naturally and that's a bummer when you want to, like we like middles, like we like being in the middle of, or I like middles, like beginnings are exciting, but they're kind of scary and endings, you know, can be sad, but can also be really good and correct to to move on. Um, But middles are nice, man. Like middles are cozy. They're when you can really be yourself and you have this sort of cadence with each other. And I love being in a middle with someone and I want to skip to it, but that that can't happen. You have to move, you have to do things in in the order of operations. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. This episode is brought to you by Nutrafol. Hair changes happen. They do. With age, with biology, with lifestyle, no matter what the root cause of your hair concerns are, Nutrafol meets you exactly where you are with science-backed formulas tailored to your needs. The hair care products that you use might, you know, cause your hair to break or, you know, sometimes overwashing or I color my hair. I do. And I use heat on my hair. I really do. And listen, it can, you know, cause problems, <laughs> you know, all sorts of problems. It can clog the scalp's pores or cause dryness. And all of these things can lead to a poor environment for hair growth. And listen, I really love when I can grow my hair to be really long and it, it turns out grows pretty slowly. However, Nutrafol is here to help. While Nutrafol's hair growth supplements target the root causes of thinning hair from within, Nutrafol's scalp care formulas help create a healthy environment for improved hair quality. That's really cool. Double, you know, one, two, approach there we love the shampoo scalp mask and scalp essence are each very very gentle yet effective and they work to exfoliate purify and balance the scalp for improved hair health which is you know what we what we're going for Nutrafol's physician formulated scalp care products are clinically shown to balance the scalp and visibly improve hair health and strength in two weeks with their 100% natural fragrance-free, zero parabens products. And they are color and extension safe. They Well, they got it all. Listen, I have known about Nutrafol for a really long time. If you've been listening, you will remember a long time ago, we worked with them and I actually have the founder, Sophia, on the show. And we had a really incredible conversation. She has uh, curly hair like me and Anyway, I, I would love for you to, to check out this sponsor. Take the first step towards improved hair and scalp health now. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our US listeners $10 off your first scalp care order when you go to Nutrafol.com slash scalp and enter promo code let it out, all one word. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals Recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. It's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash scalp and enter code let it out for $10 off your first scalp care order. 
That's available only to U.S. customers for a limited time. That's Nutrafol.com slash scalp promo code. Let it out for $10 off your first scalp care order. Thank you so much. Listen, I, I'm a bar person, and I don't mean the type that you go to with your friends, although I enjoy that as well. I eat a lot of bars. Uh, I do. I, I just, I really do. And listen, a lot of them contain a lot of artificial sugars that can, you know, wreck your digestion and make you have what my friend Christine calls bubble guts, meaning, you know, you're gassy. <laughs> and a lot of them can taste terrible <laughs> and have a lot of chemicals perhaps or just things you don't want but you know what there's one that's really really good and paleo valley makes it and listen it has collagen in it which can be really great for digestion and they taste incredible and listen they don't have much sugar they can help you feel a bit more calm and they can even help you sleep I keep them around in my bag. I share them with my friends. I, I really enjoy them a lot. And Paleo Valley has so many products. They make these beef sticks, to be honest with you, that my friend Dexter really, really loves. He like asked for more the other day. And I I think you'll you'll really like their products. They have so many. They have five flavors of these bars. They have many flavors of the beef sticks. And the ingredients in them are incredible and give you a lot of energy and keep you moving through your day. They are free from a lot of the things that you might want them to be free from, such as dairy or gluten. And you can learn more about the exacts of that if you just click a link and it'll tell you everything you need to know. What's what's really great is that I actually have a discount for you. If you go to paleovalley.com slash let it out, you can get 15% off your first order. So that's paleovalley.com slash let it out for 15% off your order. I like the apple cinnamon one a lot, but the pumpkin one was my favorite. And I wanna know what you end up ordering and what you like. Thank you so much, Paleo Valley. I find that a lot of the women that come to my workshops, one of the reasons that they come is they are so interested in making friends with like-minded women. And they hope that in the experience of the workshop, they're going to walk away with some friendship. So I, I love those types of rooms. And I'm really using air quotes because up until most recently, a lot of those workshops have been in digital rooms, but they are starting to be in real life rooms again. And I find that to be really helpful. And I, I I had the same experience in coming to live in a new place and did it really twice. I'd moved to Nashville and moved to moved to LA with a little stopover back in New Orleans in between and had to really think about, okay, what's my approach going to be to cultivating friendships? I can be very introverted. I'm like the the ultimate extroverted introvert where it's yeah. like if I am out in in a space I can like really like be in be in the space and like get excited and and have that energy but I really love really love my alone time and sometimes can like allow that to take take more time than it probably should and all of a sudden I'm like oh I've been in my house for five days and haven't seen another person and like I didn't yeah besides maybe people in my yoga class and I didn't necessarily feel challenged by that, but I'm like, I should go have a coffee with someone. Like, what the hell am I doing? So I think, I think that that's a process that a lot of us are thinking about, especially coming out of the couple of years that we've had is how do we begin to reconnect in real life? What does it look like to have friendships? And especially when you're living in new places or when your life is shifting and you're making marked transformational things happen for yeah. yourself, we inevitably evolve our friendships too. Yeah. I think there there's two things I want to say based off of what you said. It's like in in college or in high school, there there's sort of these systems set up where everybody, it's like made for you to make friends, you know? And, and that's because everybody in those yeah. scenarios 
is in the same boat. You know, like everybody's here to do a specific thing. In a way, there's a lot of differences, but you you're all trying to make friends essentially. And so there's a lot of systems set up to do that where when you are a grown up, everybody has their life. And the older you get, I think it is more I don't know if challenging is the word, but it's more complex. I can spread myself pretty thin too, where where it's like I feel like I have seen a lot of people, but I haven't really connected with anyone. You know, I think if you cast a really wide net with friendships, that's that can be tricky too, where you want to go really deep with with a few people, and so then you have to sort of decide like where my a therapist gave me this a while ago, and maybe you've heard this, but if you look at it like a bullseye where you have like a very small circle on the inside and then a, a, a you know, we know what a bullseye is like, <laughs> and you put, you know, in the middle, the bullseye should be like one, maybe two people, like your very closest people, like, you know, in your case, maybe your husband and like one friend or a family member. And then the the next ring out is like three people, like your, you know, next ring of like people, someone who would like take you to the hospital if you needed it or like maybe even take you to the airport and and then like the the next ring out is like the people you love at the coffee shop that like maybe have your number but you like aren't you know you probably wouldn't call them if you were like in a pinch you know and out and out and i and i think understanding that and like having it, there's a grief to having to move someone of like oh man i thought we were and this keeps happening to me pretty often where it's like i'll be disappointed where I'm like, oh, wait, my perception of that was closer, but like, okay, that's on me. I have to manage my expectations because friendship is undefined and I don't want to expect anything from anyone. So you just like put it to a different, you know, ring of the circle. And I think that's really important to manage our expectations so we're not, because no one owes us anything, you know, and there's this kind of bleak, but I think true, it was an article in the New York Times by this doctor studying love and he was saying about friendship like as adults and the older we get like I was saying our lives become so intense sometimes that with friendship we just we don't want to like go really deep and talk about intense parts of our lives because we have to do that with our partners and we have to do that with our family. And, you know, so we just want someone to like go to the concert with on a Friday night and like not talk about it and like have a good time. And the thing with that, that's a bit tricky is like both people have to be on the same page with that. Cause maybe the person you're going to the concert with, like hasn't seen another human being for a week and like just needs to process their like breakup or whatever it is, you know? So you have, it's, it's this push pull of like sort of figuring yeah. out like where people are at and, it, it is really nice to be friends with people who you have shared interests with. And something else I've learned since since being here and being in the neighborhood is I have so many friends who are so different from me and do really different things from me and are into such different things than me. And I think that's really wonderful. And I'm grateful for it that I've had that that opportunity. And it's it's also kind of confronting too, where it's like, oh, why, wait, like is how I am going to be accepted or maybe it will take a while for them to even know me or like understand me. And that's sort of beautiful too, of like letting it unfold and not giving, you know, this is who I am. Like, let me get the story. Cause I, I have this bad habit of like interviewing people the first time I meet them. And instead of just like letting it come out over time, which I'm doing more of now, which is nice. That's a little bit of a, a, that's a little of you just bringing your work into every every yeah. conversation. It's something you do so well as interview folks. So it's it's easy to go deep, I'm sure. I want to ask you a little bit about this concept. We talk a lot on this show. And I was reading your your New Year's Eve newsletter, the concept of magic, the idea of believing in magic. In, in your New Year's Eve newsletter, you were reflecting on that moment in the movie Beginners, which is one of my very favorite movies and it's the character Anna and she's looking out of the window of the hotel room it's so it's so good it's like if anyone who has not watched this movie that's listening right now put this on your list for this week but the character says she says her line is people in the building are like us half of them think things will never work out the other half believes in magic it's like a war between them I am very much someone who is constantly looking for the moments of magic in the day-to-day. 
you encouraged your newsletter readers in that and that reflection to contemplate a couple of questions. And one of those was to think about what helps you to stay on the side of believing in magic. So for you, what are the things that help you to stay on the side of believing in magic? Oh, I love that movie. Thank you for reading that. It's so nice. Well, it's interesting. I watched that on my way to Michigan last year. We keep talking about my plane ride there. And I would have watched it again this year, but Delta did not have it. Um, and I, it was so perfect. And I, I love that that part of the, the movie so much. And I think I, I think what Anna is sort of saying in that, or or Mike Mills, who 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 wrote it, the director, I think my interpretation of it is there it's a the dichotomy of positive or pessimism and optimism in a way, right? Like, but it's more nuanced than that. And I just like the the turn of phrase, you know, the way that Anna says it. And I think I am not a pessimistic person. I would say I'm pretty optimistic. However, you know, I think I have a a tendency towards melancholy like so many of us do. And depending on the day can go, I'm a pretty much an extremist, you know, like my highs are pretty high, which is nice. And I try to ride it as much as I can because I know that the lows can be like so debilitatingly low. And it's hard to come back from and it feels like I'm moving through mud. So I really try to manage this, like to be on the side of believing in magic because um, when it's low, I, it, it, I am more pessimistic because it feels pretty bleak and, and it's hard to believe in magic on those days, but I try to. And I try to remember what, what helps me is to try to think of the tides, right? Like to try to think of it as to try to think of nature of like the, you know, dark before the dawn or, you know, the tide comes in and comes out and you trust it. And, and the bigger sample size you have helps like the older you get like, you know, that's why being a teenager is so intense because you're feeling everything for the first time. And so it's like, you're like a cartoon character of yourself. And I feel like I am still a a teenager. I just have like wrinkles now, you know, but I I do, but I do have a bigger sample size where I know that, you know, a, a heartbreak is the heart and like really not my favorite, but also it sort of is like, I kind of get in there and feel the magic of that too, because my sample size has grown enough now. That's not my first heartbreak. And I know that there's richness on the other side of that. And I know that I'm going to learn about myself and I know it doesn't last forever. And that's the thing with a a depression where you go down low and I can sometimes, I haven't, I've had like two really big ones and I can feel it coming. I'm like, oh God, like not this again. And then, but the, but the second one, it was better than the first because I knew I got out of the first for the first time with anything. Like if you think of like little babies, like Mm -hmm. when they sneeze, they're like, what the fuck was that? Like, you know, like that's really intense for, for someone (laughs) who hasn't experienced it. It's like, that, and it kind of feels good. It's fine. It's like no problem. But when you don't know that, that's really hard. So I think that's one thing that helps is just to know that things change. And and what else helps me believe in in magic or believe that in to have a more optimistic perspective is to to know that it's really different every day. It's different based on my cycles, the cycles of friendship goes in cycles, relationships go in cycles, being a freelancer goes in in cycles, creative cycles, like just knowing that life is cyclical and and every way has has been tremendously useful. And then knowing when I'm being self-aware when I'm in a down or, or when I'm in a part of a cycle where I'm feeling a bit, things are feeling a bit sticky to know what works for me and and that. And what I've realized recently is that like the things that used to work for me don't work for me anymore and having to pivot them all the time. You know, sometimes it's like what really helps me are these habits and routines that I know work for me. And I used to love the discipline of that, but sometimes being dogmatic with, with my morning routine or evening routine like can actually be harmful. And sometimes 
going out and being with my friends and being around people can be really useful and, and boost me. Sometimes that cannot feel so, so great. So it's like whatever you can do to – my friend Sophie says this thing where she says I, I was in a down, I think. <laughs> I think I was feeling – Anything that that shakes your self worth, though, like there's there's even a whole a, a group of friends that I love, and I think they're the coolest. But but sometimes when I'm around them, I I'm just like, oh, I don't know if that's just great for my self worth. And it's not their fault. It's just something like off with me, like where I'm unable to, for whatever reason, I've put them on a pedestal and made myself like I'm not included, you know. And then like that's my stuff. It has nothing to do with them, but when I'm feeling really shaky, it's like, maybe I just don't go that day because another time I could like be there and it would be fine. And so you have to really be discerning on like, go to the thing, stay home, read the book, go on the really long walk and listen to this thing or like put on the podcast that just like makes you laugh or watch the show or maybe it's right and do some work and make some progress. Maybe it's called like, you really have to be discerning and I never said what my friend Sophie said, but it's she. I was feeling in a in a bit of a down and like kind of going into this like self low self worth spiral of like and then this and then this and then this and she just like kind of like shook me and she's like, baby, you gotta protect yourself from your own mind. <laughs> and I always think about that, like how can you protect yourself from your own mind? Like what are the things that when someone said this, Josh Radner on the podcast said to me once years ago that when you are feeling down, you want to outsource your perception of yourself to someone who loves you or someone who like is, you know, cares about you, cares about you. That's what he said. Mm. Because it will be more, it won't be correct. It'll be skewed. It won't be, it'll be like overly positive because they like you. Um, but it will be more close to who you actually are than your perception of yourself when you're in a depression, you know, because that is skewed as well in the opposite direction. So it's, yeah, it's just really being discerning. Tell me about a time that you knew without a doubt that magic was real, something that happened oh. and you're like, voila, this is magic. It's oh, real. that's so good. I love that. Gosh. Well, I have a, a – and I'd love to hear everybody's answers to this because it's so, it's so fun to talk about. I have so many of those moments where it, it – honestly, like, the, the best times that I can explain with that have been when I've been feeling really off or low and then I finally – do the thing I didn't want to do, right? Where I look at it and I examine it and I like either journal about it or I have the the I have the conversation I need to have or I I don't do send the text I was going to send or whatever it is and I'm feeling and I just sit with it and I'm in it and then I get a text from someone that really helped or the something shows up for me or something like when I really needed it like and you're just like awed by, I can't, you know, I, I, I have those days where I, I am really, really awed with gratitude. I'm like, I can't, thank you. I need it. You know, the, that is just so wonderful. And a lot of those come for me with the number 22, like 222 and seeing the repeating numbers, two, twos. Um, I have so many kismet stories with that where it's like, I'll be feeling down and I, I look and it's um, the 222 in front of me and the the license plate or the time. I'm looking at the clock every day, like 822 and 922 and 222, and I just kind of smile and laugh. And I, I work at my friend's shop one day a week, and the other day, this has happened twice, but somebody, you know, just buys whatever they buy, and it was the – it came out to 222 or 2222. That's what it was. And that's happened twice. And each time I print the receipt and I keep it and it's just like a little, I use it as a bookmark or it's just, you know, the fact that that's happened twice is like, I work the one day a week. Like that's kind of wild. Like it's a random thing. So those are just really little things, but I love it. Yeah. I love those little things too. I actually have a 222 necklace. I wore it all year last year, my 222 necklace. 
So that is very much my number also. So oh, we, have, no way. we have that in common. It, what it's, does it mean? It is, so, I mean, you know, when you when you like dig into angel numbers and numerology, there's lots of things that folks say about, you know, different ideas around what the numbers mean. But 222 is a number of the divine, fem- the divine feminine. It is very mm-hmm. much attuning into that energy within us. And for me, I what I notice about myself is that doesn't come as naturally to me. I am someone that kind of leans into the masculine a bit more. Like I'm very much like let me I have high ambition. I'm like, let me go for it. Like let me like get out there and do my thing. And sometimes sitting back and allowing myself to be in flow and allowing yeah. the magic to arise and allowing my creativity and my intuition to really take lead. For me, the 222 is that reminder. Like when Mm. I see it, it's, I feel like it's the universe saying, this is a time to slow down, to get in flow, tap into your intuition, listen, listen to your heart. What is it saying? Give it a moment. The magic is on the way. So that's what it means for me. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Somebody said, you know, if you have like a, a number like that or just something that you see and you pay attention to and it's like a little thing with yourself, it just means you're like directionally correct or it's telling you to like pay attention to something when something comes yeah. up a bunch of times and, and you know, somebody asks about it in a conversation and then it's over here. And then and part of that, you know, I think is like you think about the red car, you see the red car, you're noticing. Like I think part of it is that, but I don't care. Like anything that's a reminder to to come back to something that makes you feel good is useful. We got to protect ourselves from our minds. <laughs> we we do. I, lo- I love that idea of protecting ourselves from our minds. So, so, so good. I'm interested in your thoughts on failure in the era of living in highlight reel mode all the time. We don't often celebrate our failures and really recognize how they've shaped us. What's your, what's a, what's a failure that, you learned so much from and looking back, it really was something that you needed to have happen in order to move into the next version of you. Wow. I mean, I think my, my friend Serena's dad is like this really big television producer. And he's also, you know, just her, her dad. And, and he has this line where he says, success teaches you nothing, which is so interesting, like coming from him because he's such a successful person. And you, I don't know about all of his failures, but he must've had a lot to, to have that line and be so successful. And I think about that all the time. I I find it quite useful. And I heard something years and years ago, like probably on a, on a podcast or like in a self-help book where someone was like, fail fast, like the quicker you can fail and, and, and pivot and do the next thing and not hold on to something. I think that's really useful. I have a lot of trouble with that where something that I worked really hard on, I don't want to let go of. I feel like I have to really like give a real good college try before I just call it. And that's something that, you know, is a quality that I, I'm working on and also just kind of accepting that I'm 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 pretty slow. Like I'm I'm a slow learner in a lot of ways. I have to learn lessons multiple times, which can be really uncomfortable, I think. Um but I guess, you know, looking at at my life, I mean, I think I've I've probably I've failed so so much. Like I, I don't think I've um had even where I am right now, I'm, I'm sort of discerning like what work-wise things I've tried have been failures, what have been what and I need to let go of and, and get rid of, what do I want to keep trying or just need to make a different iteration of. I think that is is tough to to actually discern, but I it's hard for me to think of I've made so many mistakes, right? Like I I have so many things that I should have done differently or said differently and um I but to think about a failure it's like I think about a relationship that ended sometimes and wonder like wow, if I would have handled all of that differently maybe I would still be in that relationship and my life would be really different and that would be cool, you know? And I, I do have that thought sometimes, but I also don't look at it like a failure because I, I wouldn't have this life over here. And and even just how I 
situations and how I showed up in them, I think that that is – I don't regret any of that because, you know, I have to just trust that this is the – there might be string theory, there might be, like, block theory or whatever where everything's happening at the same time, every scenario, or sliding glass doors. Like, I, I am just like, all right, well, this is the one that I'm aware that I'm in right now. So it it is what it is. But I think I, I – what the way failure really impacts me is more – less broadly, like less on big events and just more in a day. Like I've had a lot of days where I am at, on a down and I feel disappointed in myself at the end of the day where I, for that day, failed. Like I failed to get the amount of tasks I wanted to get done on my to-do list done or any, you know, or I, in some of those days where it's like, I can just be like, oh, it was a twist day. Like I needed to show up and help that friend. And that's what happened with that. Or I like couldn't do that because I had this other thing come up and I, you know, I'm swinging at the balls that are coming at me. And like, that was unexpected, but I had to do that where there's other days where I'm just like, what was I doing? Why did I not do, you know, and that does feel like a, a failure. It feels like I failed myself and it feels like I'm not living up to my potential and it, and it feels really uncomfortable that I'm not like functioning at my capacity. And so I think that's when you kind of have to look at, if you have one of those, it's no big deal. If you have two, no problem. But when I've had too many strung together, then I have to look at like, okay, why am I failing myself at the end of each day? Is it because I'm in a little bit of a depression? Do I need like a mental health help? Do I need to, you have to go into self-awareness to figure out like what's lacking and, and what is abundant and where do you want to lean in and, and what the problem is here? Because I think creatively we, I don't believe procrastination happens out of laziness at all. I think that's a misconception. I think one procrastinates because they're overwhelmed. And I think overwhelm is fear. Like it's it fear of, and it might be subconscious, but it's this fear of like, I don't know where to begin. And if I, if I go into that email inbox that I'm going to be s- sort of in trouble, you know, of like, oh, I forgot to do that thing. And I'm going to realize this and that's going to be uncomfortable. And I'm going to have that fire to put out. So I just do nothing, you know, because it's like that, that Julie Depley line from before sunrise or before sunset that I always come back to. That's like, there's so much I want to be doing. I end up doing not much. And, and that, that encapsulates what I'm trying to say with procrastination where it's like, it's not that she doesn't have ideas or time. It's she has both of those things, but to have the energy and the self, worth and the confidence to like sit down and and make some output or to send the email or even just little things sometimes that can be so much so that's the failure where i'm like oh man i i wish that i had been able to discern quicker where i fail faster i guess like where i was lacking and get into it or get out of it mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that fail fast forward approach can be so challenging and so good for us when we actually allow it. It's like, all right, I like went there and fell on my face and like learned a million lessons and then was able to pivot quickly. But it's it's the allowance of just the risk that it requires to be that vulnerable to allow that type of failure that can really can can be scary. It can be really scary. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it just, it takes time to, just like when I was saying with friendship, you know, like becoming a friend to to yourself and understanding your, becoming more self-aware. You know, I think we're, I'm just trying to become better at being myself and hopefully I'll be the most self-aware that I'm going to ever be right before I die, you know? So, but the thing is like self-awareness doesn't just like, stop ever. I have become understanding of myself and what I need and what I lack. And then that's completely changed. Like what I need is completely different. And what I, you know, I've been had, for example, I've had periods in my life that have been incredibly disciplined where I've been when I lived in New York. And before that, I, you know, I was working a full-time job and I, I wrote this book and I did a small book tour and I've been doing this podcast on the side of that. And I, I built a, an 
an online course. <laughs> this was like years ago before a lot of people were, were doing them that was so hard to to build about podcasting. I helped other people start podcasts all while I was working full time. And I was so disciplined and I was so dogmatic about my time and my days. And I was like, and then time passed and I moved here and it was a pandemic and a breakup and a travel and whatever. And I left the job and, you know, and, and sometimes now I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know how I did that. I don't even recognize that. And I, and I've maybe overcorrected and become completely in the opposite direction and probably need to like reel it in a little more to like, you know, finish my work for the day, you know? So, so it's just a constant, like forgetting and remembering and forgetting and remembering again and again. <laughs> yeah. That it's, it's so important to just stay, to stay in that process, to just allow, allow that the yeah. time and space to do that. Your show and your book, they're called let it out. And I thought it was kind of fun to look up the synonyms to the phrase, let it out. Oh, cool. The synonyms are to have a breakdown, to grieve, to howl, to mourn, to sob. How do those words sit with you? And when you think about what let it out means to you, tell me a little bit about that, about what it means to you. Oh, that's cool. I've never looked that up. That was cool to to see. <laughs> I love that. They're all like pretty negative letting out. There's nothing about like letting out good things, but but I think that that's how a lot of people look at yeah. journaling. My book is about journaling. It's it's 55 journaling prompts and and essays and um you know, setting that up and and all different like getting to the they guide you to get to these corners and and pockets of your mind that are maybe dusty that you wouldn't go into on your own and to develop self-awareness, sort of what we're talking about here. And the show used to be called something else when I started. And when the book came out, it felt correct to, to change the name to let it out because, like I was saying earlier in our conversation about my work and, and just the way that my life has has panned out, like I never really thought about like oh, I'm going to call this Let It Out or I'm going to call the show. It Everything just sort of happened and 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 I'm going to write a book about journaling. It was like I just was journaling and it was helpful to me and I would sometimes like give prompts to friends and then like next thing I know I have this book deal and, the, you know, and it was just sort of following the next right action and, and, and what, you know, looking at what's in front of me and, and saying yes to what, what felt correct again and again and again. And, and I think with with let it out it it means a lot of those things that that you you said to people especially around journaling because i think people look at journaling as something that you turn to when you are in a moment of mourning or a mo like you know after a breakup or in the middle of something mm -hmm. new or a move or like these really big pivotal moments and i make this this distinction in the book of a SOS journaler and a maintenance journaler. So like a maintenance journaler is this practice of like checking in with yourself pretty much daily, regardless of what's going on and applying gratitude where you need it, applying some, you know, discipline where you need that and just clocking where you are each day. And sometimes I go in phases of being a, a maintenance journaler and doing some sort of similar to Julia Cameron's Artist Ways morning pages where I'm doing a, a version of that every day. And other times I'm in totally an SOS journaler where like I have no idea how, where I'm, what I'm doing or what I'm thinking because I don't know, like so many people say, I don't know what I'm thinking or feeling unless I'm writing, unless I write it out. And, and that will be the case for me often where I haven't written in a while. And then suddenly I feel like, pregnant with something I need to process like a, a more and that's where like let it out feels like super correct because you're like I'm just spewing on the page right now and that feels like the, that's where the name is really correct because this is maybe uh gross but when I was a child I remember like being sick or having the flu or something and I remember my mom being so nurturing with that and being like or even if I had a cold and needed to blow my nose, she would always just say over and over again, let it out, let it out, you gotta let it out, you gotta let it out. And it was 
I, I, funnily enough, it was sort of the opposite emotionally. Like that was always bottle it up. Put, come on, perfect. Let's put it, put on your shoes. Let's go. Perfect attendance. Like, and and that was not her her intention or like she wasn't aware of that. But she's like, I gotta work. I'm a single mom. Like I don't have time to to feel my feelings. Like I gotta I gotta make. I got to make money. Like I have to pay the rent and make sure that you have everything you need and take care of everything. So like when you're moving really quickly, you don't have time to let it out. You hold it in and, and then you become constipated, you know, or like then you become upset or like that kind of gets into our body. So I think my mom was really correct about, you know, you do have to let it out. You gotta, you can't, you know, you gotta throw up when you, you need to get sick. You gotta, blow your nose, you've got, you know, you have to, you can't hold that in when you need to go to the bathroom, you got to find a bathroom, right? But there are times where you can't, there are times where like, it's unsafe for me to, to use the bathroom. I can't like jump off of the train to, there's no bathroom. Like I have to wait and, and find the moment where I'm like, okay, it is safe for me to like release this feeling. I have time and space to sit with this. And other times you have to hold things in. And so that's why I really feel like with, with, the book about journaling, Let It Out, is a really correct name, and I and I love it. And and I think with the show, I you know, I honestly, I just named it that because it 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 matched the book, but it fits because I believe you know what we hold on to hurts us, right? And and so this gets into to shadow work a little bit, but I it's true that you know what we what we're lying about, we have to manage. You know, it takes up brain space, and my grandma would always say a lie has no legs. It takes additional lies to support it. So you're constantly having to, if you're not being honest with yourself or with other people, you're constantly having to like manage your lies, which takes a lot of energy. And I think what we, you know, time is is finite, but energy can be created and destroyed. So we have to manage our energy to be able to do creative projects, to be of service, to connect with other people, to make a friend, you know, to develop confidence, to go on dates, like whatever it is. And so I think that is, that really comes down to being able to discern, you know, when it is safe to integrate your shadow a little bit, like integrate, you know, what it is that's holding you back, what it is that you are embarrassed of, you know, my, my friend Lacey has this line where she says, what you don't own owns you. And I think that's really important because when we, whatever we're afraid of, whatever we're hiding, we, you know, have, have to manage and, and that, that works with our self-worth too. Katie, this has been such a pleasure to get to spend this time with you, and I'm so looking forward to getting to do it in person at some point. Tell us where we can find all of your good work, your newsletter, podcasts, the book, and process your workshops and kits. Where do we find all of that good stuff? Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, well, I have these self-study kits that that have their own website, but that's just, if you go to letitoutkits.com, that pulls those up and there's one called write, which is, you know, sort of about the content of the book and there's some breakup kits and there there's themed, themed kits. And I, I still have that, that workshop that helps people start podcasts if they want to do that because yeah, my, my show is just called let it out. And I have been doing it since March of 2013. So it'll be 10 years in like two months, which is so wild. And so there's a huge archive. So if you like listening to podcasts, it, you might like that one too. And, and there's a big archive to, to explore. And I, I would love it if you, if you came over there and, and listened. And I also co-host a second show about mental health with Serena Wolf. And that show is called Spiraling. It's about anxiety. And you might like that one too. It's more of a chat show. And yeah, I'm just a Google away. Like my name is my Instagram. So if you listen to this and have any questions about anything or just like want to say hi, you know, it's it's just my name at Katie Dalebout and let it out. The the podcast has its own Instagram, which is also me, but it's just let it out with three T's. <laughs> um, and and yeah, I, I would love to connect with with anyone here because you seem so cool, Andy. And I'm sure anybody who who listens to this is is equally as as nice. And and I would love to to make new friends. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. So, so brilliant. Thank you for the conversation. And 
I can't wait to see you sometime in person soon. I know. I'm stoked. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you after this about how to make that happen. And thank you so much for having me. And I'm, I'm so excited to, to dive in and listen. And, um, it means so much that you read the newsletter and you asked to have me on the show. Like, I'm just, I'm so grateful. And I think what you do here is so cool. And I'm, I'm going to listen to all the episodes and catch up. Okay, that was my conversation with Andy. Check out her podcast and all of her work. She's really sweet, and I was so grateful to be invited on, and I'm grateful that I get to share it here too. So there's more in that episode, so you can go listen to the rest of her version of this episode as well as her archive. She's done many and and done many since. So dive into her work. She actually just wrote a book, so get yourself a hard copy. Check out her world. She's really, really lovely. Thank you again so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you come back the rest of the summer because I'm cooking up a lot of great interviews. I'm prepared for them. I had some dress rehearsals and they will be here on this feed very, very soon. Again, we're doing every other week our version of Summer Fridays, but if you want more of my voice in podcast form, my additional podcast with Serena Wolf is not back for season five quite yet. It will be in September. However, we just did a Q&A episode that just came out as well. So you can go and listen to Serena and I doing our best to give advice to the questions that were submitted. And if you want to submit a question, you can still do so. We will be answering them on future Q&A episodes. Thank you again so much for listening. This podcast is edited by Brianna Bain and I'm Katie Dalebout. I will see you on the internet and soon back here.